2: We are breaking down all aspects
3: of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
4: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 188, ALCS Game 1 Recap. Just like in the ALDS game one when the Yankees got Trevor Boward Last night the Yankees got Dallas Keuchel once again.
3: It makes it so much worse that he's got that horrible face and horrible beard and everything about Dallas Keuchel bothers me. I, I hate his mannerisms. I hate I hate the way his face looks after he throws a pitch. I hate the way he complains to the umpire when he doesn't get a low strike that's, that's a ball. I hate everything about him. I hate his Civil War beard. I hate the fact that he knows how good he is, and then he is actually that good. I hate the fact that the Yankees have literally not scored one run on this man in the playoffs in two, uh, two postseason appearances. It drives me insane. I hate him.
4: Zero, the Yankees batters in over 200 played appearances have zero home runs against them. And the Yankees led the league in home runs this year and have been a home run hitting team for the last four years. It's the only way they score runs is when they hit home runs. And when they face Dallas Keuchel, they can't hit the ball out of the ballpark. It's a real big problem.
3: No, they can't hit the ball. I mean, anything, that's it's below, everything is below the knee. It's, Everything's it's down, at the knee or down, below the down. knee. Yeah, and that's yeah. not where the Yankees live. The Yankees live when you make mistakes up in the zone. Uh, that's exactly why Greg Bird destroyed that ball in the uh, in the ninth inning. It was left up, and he crushed. Yeah,
4: um, Keiko, the, the the story of this game is Tanaka was good. Tanaka did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah. Keiko just outpitched him. I, I it's really it's really tough. I'm annoyed. I can't get annoyed at the Yankees because it's tough when a guy just pitches that good. Yeah,
3: no, it's really it's. I mean, you look at what happened with uh, Tanaka and then Green coming in and being also lights out. Those both of those guys pitched well enough to win. There's no doubt about it. Um, Tanaka was very good. I mean, some base hits. Uh, Altuve being Altuve, the kid is a is a freaking like little man wrecking crew, uh, getting on base, stealing stealing a bag and then scoring. Uh, of course, it's it's uh, it's Correa and Altuve who do damage. Guriel. we knew these guys, we knew the guys, that the likely suspects. Unfortunately, there's like eight of them,
4: <laughs> but right. uh, I'll, I'll t- do this right in the mix of it. Brian McCann batting ninth. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, that's Brian how McCann's probably line- like
3: one of the worst in their lineup.
4: Right. But I mean, these, Brian McCann's still a, a decent hitter at the very least. They got, they got him batting ninth, so that's how deep that lineup is. You mentioned the two base hits to Tanaka, and we were briefly talking about this before we started recording. I thought... The only mistake Tanaka made was throwing a fastball to Guriel with a, with a guy on second base. Guriel in the first pitch of that at bat swung at a slider off the plate. He was super aggressive. He is a classic Cuban. Uh, hitter just like Yasiel Puig they swing out of their shoes at everything they're looking for a fastball and they're looking to make hard contact I, I know it wasn't a bad pitch because it was low in the zone but I just wouldn't have thrown him a fastball I would have made him keep swinging at the slider and the splitter just like the way pitchers pitch Aaron Judge here here's a curveball here's a slider here's a curveball here's a slider I dare you to swing that's what I would have done with Gurriel in that situation
3: I don't have a problem with it. I mean the pitch selection I thought was good all night long. I thought that one Tanaka's got to show that fastball so that they they actually believe it's a fastball because if if you don't show that fastball then the splitter becomes not as effective because they're just expecting it to die at the end and they won't swing at it. But if you can if you show that fastball uh, then you can then your other pitchers become more effective. He's got to work off of that. So I have no problem with it. I thought it was a good pitch. Goriel just put a really good swing on the ball and and you know put it on the ground up the middle apparently the the infield had dried out by that time and there was a little bit more run because in the beginning i don't know if you noticed this but they yeah. were and they were talking about it but i mean in front of home plate was a freaking swamp the astros <laughs> The Astros went and drenched the field for Dallas Keuchel because you know he's getting a bunch of ground balls and they were all sticking to the dirt because it's soft. And whatever, home field, that's your prerogative, right? You yeah. put the field the way you want to do it. I got no problems with it. People are like up in arms about it. No, that's that's what you do. If you want to do it, do it. Whatever. It's uh but yeah, it was um it was a very uh, soft track and honestly helped Tanaka out too, it theoretically because of his uh he's down in the zone as well. Yeah, so. he's a
4: ground ball guy too. I had no problem with it. But it definitely
3: is, I mean, it's there for Keiko, there's no doubt.
4: Did you also notice early in that game, I guess the, the Astros fired off uh, some fireworks pregame and they had the dome closed, so it was super smoky in there for the first two innings. And I felt like Tanaka kept squinting into Sanchez looking for the signs. I don't know if it had anything to do with the smoke or if, for whatever reason, Sanchez didn't paint his nails that night, but seemed like it was extremely foggy in there.
3: I didn't even notice that. I mean, he was pretty damn good for the first two innings, so... Maybe maybe the dust got or maybe the uh, smoke got in his Absolutely. eyes when he walked the first
4: batter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tanaka was great, um, it, but didn't you feel this is the way I felt anyway? That once he gave up those two runs with Dallas Keuchel on the mound, it was like, well, well, crap. This game is screwed.
3: Yeah. I, well, the only my only hope was that Keuchel's pitch count was going up, and it was they were doing a good job working the count with him. That's the one thing that they did at least do a good job. They were they were holding off on, on a lot of those pitches, whereas. You know, I feel like the Yankees of um, the the Yankees before, if they hadn't seen all these guys who were throwing the as amount of, the amount of off speed pitches that they've seen for Cleveland, I felt like his pitch count would have been a lot more manageable, and he probably would have pitched a, a complete game. So what they did is they got to him finally at least by by raising his pitch count. They didn't get to him uh, by by hitting him, but they got his pitch count up enough where they got two guys in. And, uh, and they just couldn't take advantage of that. But that was my only saving grace. I was, ho- I was hoping, hoping that he was going to come out either in the sixth or seventh. And um, he pitched a full seven innings. So.
4: Full seven innings. They got to the bullpen, which you and I said, as long as you get to the bullpen and the game's close, we like our chances. They got Davinsky out of there quicker, it, qu- as quickly as you possibly could and went to Ken Giles. I did not expect Ken Giles to be able to shut the door on five outs that easily.
3: No, and Kent Giles, from what I understand, I don't know a ton about this guy, but I do remember when he first came over from the Phillies in that big trade that they made, they sent a bunch of prospects to Philadelphia for this guy. And when he first came over, if you remember, he was supposed to be the ninth inning guy, but he was just terrible. And they demoted him. I don't know if it's a demotion at that point, but he, he basically was pitching in the, uh, in the seventh and eighth inning because they couldn't really rely on him. for the ninth. He was walking guys. He was getting hit around. He was just like, I don't know, he was too juiced up because that's what that guy looks like. He's way too juiced up. And, uh, and I, I don't know if he's figured it out, but to me, he's a mental case. Like you got to get in this guy's head. Cause I, I feel like he's just, he's just one grooved fastball away from a tie game. And that's what I was waiting <laughs> for the entire time. One fastball, just, just sit on that fastball. It's coming at 9,800, sit on that fastball and wait for him to make a mistake. And he did make a mistake. He made a mistake to, uh, to judge. I think it was, and, and, uh, he just missed it or no, Gary Sanchez. Sorry. It was Gary Sanchez. Just missed it. Just, just barely missed it.
4: Well, you mentioned grooving the fastball. He left the pitch up to Bird. Bird crushed it off the foul pole, like top of the foul pole. And then they're they're down to one out. There's two outs in the ninth inning. You have Holiday coming up who looked terrible in the game. Understandably so. The dude hasn't played since the regular season. That was two weeks ago. I still liked having him play because I think uh, his experience in the lineup is good, especially because Ellsbury and Headley did absolutely nothing against Cleveland. But you're going to pinch hit righty on righty. That's what the binder says. Fine. Why are you pinch hitting Jacoby Ellsbury there? The best case scenario with Ellsbury is he reaches on a catcher's interference. The best case scenario with Matt Holiday is he ties the game with a solo blast. At least pinch hit Headley in that situation who might run into one, who might get an extra base hit or something. Jacoby Ellsbury is absolutely useless.
3: Yeah, I don't really understand that move uh, unless he's just going righty lefty, which at that point I'm um, I'm almost throwing out that out the window. When you need a home run, when it's a one run game, at that point I'm 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 keep I'm staying with uh, Holiday. I don't even go to Headley honestly. I'm staying with Holiday at that point and just hoping he gets into one. Me too, because it, it could st- it could absolutely happen. He maybe he's got three at bats underneath him and he's more comfortable right now because he's probably more comfortable now than he was in the first inning or, or the second at bat. First at-bat well, or second at-bat?
4: The thing is, because he looks so bad, and obviously because Verlander's on the mound tonight, he's, he's not going to play. He's probably not going to play again until Keuchel pitches again. See, the thing,
3: yeah, but, but even, even then, he showed that he did nothing. The problem is, like when you have a guy like Ken Giles on the mound and you have a, a veteran like Holiday, to me, that's a, that's a good at-bat for Holiday, right? For, to get back into the groove. Holiday's going to sit fastball on a guy like Giles. He's going to sit fastball, and he's going to wait for him to make a mistake. And he made plenty of mistakes. They just were not taking advantage of. To me, that is an at bat where Holiday could absolutely take advantage of it. And and if it's a straight fastball coming at you, that's that's one that you know I don't care how long you've been off. You're taking BP. That's what you're hitting. You're hitting a lot of those fastballs. That's probably something that could absolutely get you back on. I would have definitely stayed with Holiday. Like you said, you get that pop. I mean, it's it's semantics at this point, really, because the right, DH we're spot is like, over the century, and it's not like yeah. it was it was a given that he was going to hit home run. Far from it. Far from it. But, no, but yeah, you just
4: knew what the outcome was going to be with Jacoby Ellsbury up there. I just
3: didn't want Jacoby Ellsbury to be up there at the last second, at the, for our last at-bat. I
4: didn't want to I didn't want to finish
3: that game off with Jacoby Ellsbury striking out. I just didn't.
4: I also hate, um, I, I've never liked pinch hitting somebody with one out to go in the game with nobody on base. Because I'd rather have a guy who's been in there the entire game, who's fresh, who's used to live pitching that night, who is not tight just getting off the bench in that situation.
3: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously there was something about it that Joe liked with Ellsbury. Uh, it didn't work out.
4: And we're kind of burying the lead in this game, uh, or at least the lead from the Yankees, which is the fact that Greg Bird is a horrible base runner. He's horribly yes. slow. You talked about beating A-Rod first to third, and I said you're you're full of shit. But if you want to race Greg Bird first to third, I think you could lap him. That's how slow he is.
3: Oh, I would definitely lap him. I would smoke Arod, and I would lap Greg Bird. A Rod is not a threat to me, uh, by the way. By the way, did you see? I don't know if you saw my tweet. He, you know how J Lo goes around calling everybody Poppy, like that's what you know damn well. That's like her hey pet poppy, name for Hey Poppy, hey Poppy. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, her, that's yeah. her. That's her. That's her pet that's name her Latin for Latin Flair. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so she calls A Rod Poppy, and A Rod calls Ortiz Poppy. Like to me, that shit's really weird. That's just <laughs> okay. like a whole weird dynamic right there, and I can't handle Are it. You... I can't. I can't handle listening to him like just call him with a straight face, Poppy. I just can't do it. I what, I, I, can't, uh... I can't listen to him talk in the first place, and then when he just goes out, he just. I feel like those guys on that on that on that uh, on that bench for the pre and post game. I feel like after after it's over or and just before it, and maybe between commercial breaks, they're all like making fun of A Rod and they're, like picking on him and they're like bullying him because he's like the nerd on the group. I just feel like they all like, don't respect him and just and completely mess with him. That's just my feeling.
4: What kind of weed were you smoking before the game? It's true. I'm telling <laughs> you.
3: They all are like, like, come on, A-Rod. Like, shut up. Like, come on, A-Rod.
4: <laughs> uh, but back to the base running situation, which was atrocious. Uh, I don't know how you don't score from second base with two outs on a 3-2 pitch. And it's not like the ball was hit directly to the left fielder. It was kind of, it was a hard hit ball by Judge, but it was a sort of a looping line drive. I didn't even think it was going to be a question that Greg Bird was going to score. And then I th- I saw the throw coming up, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. As soon as he was halfway down the third baseline, I knew he was going to be out. He looked like he was running in quicksand. Every step he took, looked like he sank into the field four feet.
3: Twitter is full of a bunch of Monday Monday, Monday morning quarterbacks. As soon as that happened and he got called out, I, I tweeted out saying from Bronx Pitch Tribes, um, basically say you know good at bat by judge because it was it was a good at bat it was a good sign from from uh from from judge and what we're seeing he's making contact he made a base hit uh, get a base hit two outs um with a runner in scoring position all very good signs and to me a spada, gotta send him you're going against Dallas Keuchel you, you have no idea how many times you're going to get opportunities like this you got to take advantage of it and to that to that point the the running by Greg Bird, if you go back and watch it, and I went back and watched the, everything about it, the secondary lead was terrible. The instincts were terrible. The rounding third base, terrible. All these things that that have nothing to do with Joe Espada. Joe Spada needs to send him on that point, but Greg Bird needs to make damn sure that he scores. And if he if he can't get off, if you look at where the um, the base runner or the uh, fielders were, nobody was holding him on. There was nobody there. He he could have taken a, a much larger lead. He could have taken a much bigger secondary lead, no doubt about it. Brian McCann is not throwing through uh, and, and throwing you out at second base. I'm sorry, not at that moment. They all they're thinking about is striking out Aaron Judge. That's the only thing they're thinking about because they know they can be that that could be done. You could take probably just a, a, a ridiculously ludicrous lead off of second at that point. You got to score. I don't care how slow you are. You got to score.
4: Yeah, people who were saying, oh, well, Gary Sanchez was coming up with the bases loaded. Yeah, that's a fact. But did Gary Sanchez look great against Dallas Keuchel to you? No. He was getting eaten up by those curveballs and sinkers just like everyone else was. There was two outs in the situation. It was already a two to nothing game. You get a big two out hit. Like you said, I don't give a crap how slow you are or how bad of a base runner is. That is quite possibly one of the easiest situations to score in in baseball. You are running on three and two. As soon as, as, like, you don't even have to think. He swings. I'm running. I don't care. It doesn't matter what where the ball is going. No, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till he swings. Exactly. There's two
3: outs. There's two outs, a three two count. You run. The ball is insane. You're 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 literally taking a walking start as he's going. You're taking a walking start, you start picking it up, and before he releases that ball, you're gone. And you're halfway there
4: is make sure Keuchel doesn't step off the mound. That is your only job, Greg Bird, as soon as you see him not stepping off the mound, you are sprinting for third base. It should have been stand up, score, not even a throw. Right. And and people are getting on him. And he even made it... They
3: had to... There was a review to see if he was out or safe. It was that close. Even after he did all that crap. Like, come on. It's an obvious send. You send the man there. And you have to have some faith in your base runner to not... I mean, honestly, he was kind of dogging it in the sense that I'm not saying he wasn't running hard because I'm sure he was, but but the fact is he took a stutter step around third. It was a bad path. It was a bad bird path, a bad flight path. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I had to get it in. It was a bad, horrible um, base running path. Uh, Going around third, he did like a little stutter step, which absolutely slowed him down. And again, the secondary lead. Like you got to be halfway, maybe even three over halfway at that point once the ball is hit, because it doesn't matter. It's a three-two count. You can't get thrown out. Nothing bad can happen
4: to you. Shout out to all the people on Twitter who instead of tweeting Greg Bird's name were tweeting Greg Turtle or Greg Tortoise or whatever. Just beautifully creative people all over Twitter last night. Isn't there a slow bird that we could have like a flamingo
3: or one that gets stuck an ostrich? No, ostrich are fast. What's
4: the bird that can't even fly? Is an ostrich is that a, is that an ostrich? They can't but they're fly? but they're like blazing. But they're fast. fast. Yeah. 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 And they're, bird and they're is not mean. an ostrich. Yeah. No. Um, that was really the turning point in the game, I thought. I thought once that happened, the Astros had the Yankees in a hole. And if he scores there, they're still down one. And who knows if he still ties the game, Bird, with his home run in the ninth inning. But it's at least a different type of, of last four innings in that game if Greg Bird scores in the fifth inning. Um, another thing I want to talk about is the strike zone on Aaron Judge, because I tweeted in the first inning after he walked. I said, good sign. He, the ump did not call the ball below Judge's knees a strike. Yes, it would be belt high for Jose Altuve or thigh high for anyone else in baseball. But for Judge, it is below the knee, not a strike. He didn't call it in the first inning. And then in his, in his second at bat, he was calling it. And the inconsistency is the thing I hate most. And did you hear Smoltz on the broadcast say that eventually Aaron Judge throughout his career is going to need to let umpires know that's not a strike?
3: Yes. I was having this conversation with my wife this morning, actually. Yeah. Yes.
4: I don't know about he, it. Does he need to do it? Like, I think he needs to do it now because it's <clears> been all postseason. I'm not 100% blaming the umpires for the fact that Aaron Judge has struck out. What is it now? 18 times in 20-something plate appearances? But 17. It's, a, he, it's a he had big, 16 in the ALDS
3: and struck out once yesterday.
4: Okay. But it's a big... Reason why he's always in a behind in the count is because the um, the pitchers are throwing him low in the zone because that's where they can get him out and the umpires are calling it low below the zone not a strike.
3: Yeah, no, it's a problem. I I wrote in the notes the strike zone against against uh, Judge is a problem and it is. And yes, he does need to say something and he could do it in the most Aaron Judge way. All honestly, all he needs to do. And I understand what he is. He's a respectable guy. He's a nice dude. Fine, but you can stand there in the box. With your head down, staring at the plate, and talk to the umpire in a certain voice. You don't have to show him up, but you can say something. You can sit there and you can freaking harp on it. Or the other thing is in a um, in another game, I mean, granted, you don't want this to happen in a uh, in a postseason game, but Girardi needs to back him up and be like come and come out and fire it up, man, against him. If it's not Girardi, it needs to be somebody. He needs to fire it up. And I know the dugout, the umpire went to the Yankee dugout or, or motion to the Yankee dugout at some point when um, when Giles, I believe, was getting or someone was getting, Chad Green was getting a uh, it was a fastball like a couple inches on the inside corner that he had been calling all night for freaking Keuchel, and he started calling it for Giles, and Chad Green was not getting the same call, and you could you could tell that the Yankees uh, uh, dugout was finally chirping about it. But you know it's got to be said, like Jardine's got to be fired up about this. You got to stand up for your guy, and if if uh, if Judge is going in there with a strike zone from the middle of his shin to his letters, he's screwed. He's screwed. He's, he's getting screwed. The, the the baddest. Take it out of his hand. He. I mean, I. I've said this a hundred times. I don't want him swinging at that pitch. I. I need him to be a disciplined hitter. We all need him to be a disciplined hitter. If if the umpires are calling the breaking ball that starts at the bottom of the zone and finishes underneath the zone of the shin, he's screwed.
4: He already has the biggest strike zone in major league baseball. Like even if it was just from knees to letters and the plate I mean he's six foot seven tall but like you said when you call it from the shin all the way up to it's it's impossible and the pitchers have it's like they're they're throwing they're thro- they're trying to hit water from a boat at that point that's how big the strike zone is it's it's completely taking the bat out of his hands and it's it's putting him in holes that he just can't dig himself out of um I know that umpires don't they get graded don't umpires get graded
3: yeah, I think so. There is a every game I believe they do. So I mean, you, I'm you look at those graphics. Even look graphics. You look at the graphics. There were people were tweeting me the graphics of uh, what is it game? Whatever the hell that's game, called. Gamecast, Yeah. Gamecast. Or,
4: or game, no, No. Um, game whatever. Game.
3: It's yeah. a it's a joke. Like if you look at where the balls are and what was called strikes. I mean, I, I would love to go back and maybe I will do this now. I'm gonna go back and look at where where the pitches were for both sides. What was strike? What was called strikes? Because it was just. You know, I have no problem if you have a big strike zone and, and you're consistent with that strike zone. If it's the same strike zone, if you're giving the outside of the plate by an inch uh, on uh, on one side of the batter, you can't give it on the other side because then you're doubling that size. But if you're going to do it all game to everybody, then it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, that's your strike zone, fine, whatever. But you got to do it the whole game. you got to be consistent, if nothing else. And he so, was just so inconsistent.
4: I'm not blaming... I don't think... I'm not the blaming reason, the umpires. They're just, no, just another the umpires are not the reason... Yeah, Keiko was filthy last night. And, oh, absolutely. And, Do, he was dominant. Yeah. But but we're just... For, for Aaron Judge, it's getting to the point where it's all anyone's talking about as soon as Aaron Judge steps to the plate. And another reason why they're talking about it is because of the freaking strike box on these broadcasts. Yeah. I know... With technology nowadays that uh, we're able to have all this, all these different aspects to the broadcast, and you can have pitch effects, and you can immediately know how fast it is and where it went. But it's creating a problem where it's all anyone focuses on because, oh, look, it barely touched the sh- touched the strike box, or it was just outside of the strike box, but the ump still called it a strike, and then everyone's just bitching about that. It's, it's becoming a distraction, and I, I wish they would just take it away. I agree. It's not a
3: distraction for the guys playing. It's a fan distraction. It's a viewership distraction when we're all sitting there watching this game. And I, I've been bitching about this for the entire time. The one on ESPN's even worse. But the one on, um, I think they have one on TBS, right? TBS and I think everyone has one now. Well, but TBS it's, it's, has one off to the side. There's one that's like super faint. I don't remember which one that was, whatever it is. The, they're all there and they're annoying. They're very annoying and we just don't need them there. There's no reason for them. If you want to show the dot afterwards where the pitch shows like whatever but i don't want to have to be focused on that box because whether i'm trying to or not subconsciously i see that goddamn box mm-hmm. and i'm looking at it and i know everybody else is too and you're right it's a distraction from what we're trying to watch we're trying to watch the at-bat trying to watch everything else going on but eyes are focused towards uh, like things that are not supposed to be there and that's not supposed to be there so can we just get rid of it please it's like the freaking glowing puck that, that uh, fox tried to do when hockey was terrible i don't know if hockey's any better Probably pissing a lot of people off with that, but I don't watch hockey anymore. But the glowing puck—if you remember that—the Fox I remember. had like, when there was a a, a a slap shot or a shot on net that was like over ninety miles an hour or whatever—it was like a red streak, and then the glowing puck you could see like through the boards. It was so stupid.
4: Well, and do you like it on golf because golf does the same thing? Do they do it live? I don't really watch
3: much live golf. In all honesty, yeah, I don't do think the they, they don't do it live. They do it, yeah, after. a they lot do it of, in like replays. not every time.
4: Not yeah. every time, but a lot of times they do it live with whatever. We're really getting off track here. No, they, but, those,
3: but 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 you made a good point for about that because to me that technology is very useful when you're showing replays. When you're showing replays and you want to see trajectory and you want to see where things cross, like that to me is cool. Like you can really like see how the path was better with the with the technology
4: there. But when I'm watching it live, I don't want to see that stuff. If we're we're pretty much at the point where we could have automated umpires, computers could tell what's a strike and a ball. But the the but the problem is, the fans at home are watching that technology. But on the field, they still have live human umpires, and human umpires are imperfect, as we've seen with Aaron Judge and a number of other different calls this postseason. So when the calls don't match up with what the technology is telling us on screen, for us as fans watching. It just creates annoyance. It's just freaking annoying. These games are long and stressful enough already. I don't need to be co- worried and conscious about the fucking strike zone <laughs> box every single pitch.
3: Yeah. No, it's a distraction. There's no doubt about it. I'm curious to what people think. I mean, do you guys like it? If you don't, if you tweeted us, tell us what you think. Put us in a mailbag because it's, it was driving me crazy. It was driving me crazy during the ALDS too. But I'm curious mm-hmm. as to like what the... You know, what the thought process is out there of everybody watching these games because some people may like it and they like the fact that they they can see exactly where it is and they like to, you know, audit the strike zone to where it is on every single pitch. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of the, uh, uh, the enjoyment for some fans. To me, it's just too much. It's just like my, my brain can't focus on that many things. I need I need just regular baseball, please.
4: <laughs> You're right, though. Replays would be perfect. If it's a close pitch, show the replay with the strike box, and I'm fine with that.
3: Yeah, exactly. And plus, you can see it. Like, if you really want to see it, honestly, use that game cast or whatever the hell it's called uh, on your phone. You can track every single pitch and see
4: where it is. Yeah. We can all do this well, with no problem. Those are cool. Those things are cool because I, I tweeted out a picture from it um, after Gardner's 12 pitch at bat, and it's really interesting to see where all the pitches went and who, what pitch he fouled off, what pitch he took. It, I think it's very, very interesting, and it's next level stuff that I love that technology provides us. But but right now it's 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 causing problems for for my mental health at home.
3: Yeah. Point. All yep. right,
4: let's uh, let's quickly talk about Game Two. Afternoon game today. I uh, I'm I'm in I'm in San Diego for this wedding, and I gotta find a way to watch this game or at least some of it before I have to head to the ceremony. Uh, but Verlander versus Severino is this a must-win game for the Yankees, Scott? I I, have, I hate
3: calling games must-win games. Uh, I don't think it's a must-win game, especially after what we saw in the ALDS. The uh, the Houston Astros right now are playing probably the the most lights out I mean, they they look like a cohesive unit granted we just saw them with Dallas Keichel pitching so they may look very different with somebody else on the mound Justin Verlander is not probably not that guy Justin Verlander is a big game pitcher uh, if the Yankees were to score a lot of runs on him I'd be surprised but at the same time they're he's a different style pitcher so maybe he's they're gonna get a lot more fastballs from from Verlander and it's not as deceiving stuff as what you see from Keuchel Keichel's pitches are just like they're insane the way that they move Verlander's not that guy but mm-hmm. ha- at the same time he's still got the same stuff he's still got that same stuff he's he's had for a long time The stuff on him really hasn't gotten uh, hasn't diminished
4: much. I, I am much more confident in the Yankees putting together tough at bat after tough at bat against Justin Verlander and really driving his pitch count up similarly to what they did with Corey Kluber um, in those, in both of the games they faced him. Keuchel, yeah, they got his pitch count up a little bit high, and that's why he only pitched seven innings only. I say only. that's still a long start, especially nowadays. But there was plenty of at bats where Keuchel would just throw one or two pitches and they'd pound it into the dirt. I don't expect that to happen with Justin Verlander on the mound.
3: No, I think there will be some better at-bats. Um, hopefully these guys are fired up. I don't think it's a must-win, but I think it's a game that they
4: can win. I was being and, facetious. I know it's yeah, not a must-win. I
3: know, but a lot of people will say, oh, must-win. Got to win this one. Can't go down 2-0. Well. well, apparently you can, and you can still win it in a five-game series. This is a yeah. seven-game series. Much different story. Um, but yeah, no, they have three games after that at home, so there's a lot of damage that can be done still. But uh, yeah, I, I, it would be nice. It would be it would be awesome if the Yankees could steal a game in, uh, in Houston. But we'll see. We got Severino on the mound, so you never know. Could get an absolutely lights-out performance by him, and that's kind of what you have to expect at this point, right? You have to expect a very good start from him, uh, matching Verlander at least, and hopefully the Yankees can scratch some runs across and the the bullpen can do their job.
4: Here's some positives to take away from Game 1. Tanaka was awful in his one start against Houston in the regular season. He was very, very good in game one. Severino, who was also bad uh, in his regular season starts against Houston, let's see him step up. The Houston lineup, for as much as we praised it, they only got two runs last night. Yeah, so... The pitching, the pitching was not the problem for the Yankees last night. It, it was the offense, and I expect it to be better when Dallas Kickle's not on the mound. So, yeah, and
3: Judge but, looked better. Judge looked mm-hmm. like he was one strikeout. One, that's that's a big improvement. Once, one strikeout. He walked in the first, uh, his first at bat, which was good, and then he was making contact and got a base hit with two outs, with a runner on in scoring position. So that's a very good sign from him. And usually, you know, when we start seeing these little signs from him and just seeing that approach get better, uh, then then hopefully there's good things on the horizon for him. So we need we really need Judge. And Sanchez to to get right, and uh, they have both been slipping at the same time. So, you know, if you're looking at the numbers and and you're going by uh, Susan Waldman's or John Sterling's take on baseball, then they're both going to get hot at the same
4: time, right? Isn't that the way it works? That's that's how baseball. That's that's why you can't predict baseball, Scott. One <laughs> quick note on the lineup: I would put Didi back in between Judge and Sanchez. Yeah, I
3: think that was just because of Keuchel, and they were just trying to sandwich two right-handed bats. It was, but yeah. I,
4: Didi can hit lefties.
3: <laughs> Agreed. No, I. I was uh, I was scratching my head at that move a little bit. It was just like one of those little tweaks I don't think needed to be done.
4: Yeah, and then Gary can also protect protect Didi, and look what happens when when Didi gets pitches to hit. He is he can carry the team. So I'd like to see him back in three spot. Not that again. That was the reason they lost, but. Just a, a slight minor tweak I'd like to see for Game 2. All right, just a little uh, programming note. We don't know if we're going to be doing a podcast after Game 2 since I am flying on Sunday. We're going to do our best to get one out for you guys. But if we do not do a Game 2 podcast, there will absolutely be a Game 3 uh, and, and Game four, five, six, seven. hopefully, podcast after that. Scott, any last words? Hopefully we get to him today. Let's get to Verlander.
3: Let's uh, let's get some good at bats and Severino's there. But One nothing is not the end of the world, people. It's a seven game series, long series. Good, good things happened yesterday uh, on some level. So I'm I'm pumped up and I'm confident. Still, I think this is a good sign, and the guys obviously are confident. So let's go. Let's get freaking Verlander. Can't let Verlander win. Really cannot let Verlander win for me, please.
4: All right, good stuff. We'll talk to you guys soon.